Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A ganhar três troféus. A bola está no Porto. Há um salto. Deco. A simular de uma bola para dar bem. Vai dar para Deco. Vai levantar para a área. Atenção. A Levitieva tirou do Pedro. A vitória e a gol. Later tonight, President Bush is expected to announce the fighting's all but over in Iraq. We won't formally declare victory. He'll be addressing American troops from the deck of an aircraft carrier returning from the Gulf. Celtic would get it back, the cross into the area. Henrik Larson with the goal. The English Football Association has been fined a record £70,000 by the European football governing body UEFA. It follows the racist abuse and pitch invasions by England fans during the match against Turkey in Sunderland last month. It had been feared fans might be banned from England's next home game as a punishment. Five other players up in it, including Milby, who comes here, Larson again! He's done it again! Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, opposite me as always is Jonathan Wilson and joining us on the pod today is Kieran Canning, football correspondent for AFP in London. Kieran, lovely to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Now then, uh, we go back to the UEFA Cup final in 2003, Celtic 2, Porto 3, Martin O'Neill against Jose Mourinho. Kieran, why have you gone for this game? Having listened to some of your previous uh, greatest game pods, it, te- you. it ten- tends to be people choosing a game that of of glory for their team. You know, a game that with great memories. So, as a true Scotsman, I've gone for the glorious failure. You know, uh-huh. uh, I didn't think you were a Porto fan. Of <laughs> uh, Celtic getting all the way to the to the UEFA Cup final, first time that they got to a European final uh, in thirty three years, and it's just the the memories of of this season. Um, it was the first time that. 
I had a, a Celtic season ticket that that year, and the the route to the final, the the games, the the stories of you know the people that that went to Seville, and the reported figure was eighty thousand yeah. Celtic fans, um, <laughs> and they only but, had about thirty five thousand of the tickets. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was just a, a great season, and it was a strange one in the sense that it, it's probably Celtic's greatest ever season in which they didn't win a trophy. Yeah, because they they get to. You've got final lose an extra time to a team who then go on to win the Champions League the the next year. They lose the League Cup final because they miss a penalty in the last minute. They lose the league on the final day of the season by a goal on on goal difference. Um, but it still, I think, is as a Celtic fan, is is one of the most memorable seasons that, that, that there's been. Mm. And Jonathan, you were at the final as well. Obviously, you talk about the game in the second half, but it was quite a monumental occasion, and the Celtic fans. Played their part in that. Game, I say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never experienced anything like that. I mean, I was, it was pretty early in my career, mm. uh, and I suspect now I'd be kind of a bit more cynical and a bit more annoyed about all these people getting in my way and being drunk. But at the time, it was just <laughs> extraordinary. So you weren't always cynical. <laughs> right. it wasn't always as cynical. Yeah, okay. Um, so I mean, even the, even the plane, I remember kind of the constant. I mean, I must have flown from London. But still, it was just full of yeah. Celtic fans and constant chanting all the way through the flight. Um, <laughs> I remember I, I flew out on the day of the game and I remember getting to the hotel, which was right next to Batista Stadium. Mm-hmm. And the game was being played not at the Sanchez Pizuan or, or Batista's ground, yeah. but at the Olympic Stadium, which miles out of town. Yeah. A stupid place. Well, it's odd because when you obviously, I remember the game was in Seville. And you're watching, you go, hang on, I don't recognise that stadium. But of course, it wasn't it was either. The, the Olympic Stadium. Yeah. Um, like a nightmare to get back from, uh-huh. um, and it was roasting hot. It must have been yeah. high thirties, maybe even forty degrees. It was so hot, and I, I got there around about lunchtime. And I remember saying to I, you know saying to the reception, "What's the best way to get out to the ground?" Because it wasn't obvious at all how you got there. And they said, "I'll oh, just get a taxi," but I'd go and get in the queue now. And so I was like, oh, I put my stuff in the room, went to get in the queue. And the queue stretched for miles. <laughs> and for two hours, I stood in this baking heat, so slowly inching forward. And the whole city was in meltdown. They had no phone signal because, you know, just 80,000 people arrived. It's completely overwhelmed the system. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting to within, I don't know, 20 yards of the front of the queue. So I've been there, you know, two hours. And this, this tall, grey-haired bloke just sort of gets ushered to the front of the queue. And I'm sort of, who do you think he is? I, I can't have this and just about to say something fortunately he half turned and I realised it was Billy McNeil <laughs> and I was like okay I think I think probably in this scenario yeah. there is a man who's entitled to a taxi this before me scenario only <laughs> yeah. he, can he pull rank sort of thing in the taxi rank but uh, yeah I mean, it was phenomenal support sound it took um, there of course because it's interesting to say that you remember this season fondly was it really because of this UEFA Cup final or was it the football that they were playing under Martin O'Neill it was think, a great team with great players like Larson and so on. Yeah, no, it, it was this run because obviously Celtic and Rangers are competing for the league mm-hmm. year in, year out. But it had been so long since Celtic had, had gone even beyond Christmas in Europe. It had, had been a long time. So to do that it just seemed as has been a, a big thing. And we often talk, and we'll go into the game later on, but we often talk about Football, especially as football journalists, and talking in, in forensic detail about uh, tactical innovations or the, the, the technical quality of games, but so much of it is why we all fell in love with it in the first place is about the sort of shared experiences of it. Um, and I sort of grew up going to football with with my dad, and 
he was as a young man when Celtic were great in the the late sixties and, and early seventies, and he would tell all these stories about travelling across Europe on you know going from the bus from Glasgow to mm. Lisbon or to the the final in, in Milan in nineteen seventy. Um, so to get that sort of you hear these stories and you think oh that's a bygone era I used to wind them up constantly like you know stop talking like it's you know 1960s <laughs> um, so yeah to have that that experience and uh, I couldn't go to we couldn't go to the the final because he was a, a school teacher uh, and I was I had four exams that that hmm. week so uh, so we couldn't go to that but we went to the semi-final away uh, in Boa Vista and it was an incredible night because the, I mean, the game was terrible. It was one of the most awful games of football I think I've ever seen. <laughs> but Larson scores with, with 10 minutes to go, Celtic go through. But the, the, the strange thing about it is obviously Porto have qualified for the, the final that night as well. And Bovista are from a Porto. So you have, it was like a mini Seville in the sense that you had a, and it was a public holiday the next day. So you had all the Porto fans out on the streets celebrating it. Uh, not 80,000, but maybe 10, 15,000 Celtic fans out there. That's quite extraordinary the way that's worked out, actually. I didn't really sort of think about that. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, the, I have friends and family that, you know, when we were there the night that Celtic went to Anfield or, you know, went to Stuttgart or uh, Celta Vigo. So, it, it was just a, such a rare, I mean, it's still a rare thing now when you look, you look back, we're sort of. <clears throat> 17 years on um, and Celtic have never got anywhere close to another European final I know Rangers have done it um, since then but you know it's been a huge a huge long time since uh, they say Manchester in 2008 was not the same as today uh, it was it's slightly, slightly different uh, the game was different not the same experience, but, and the reaction was but different just, just what I mean by that is, is uh, <laughs> the, the sheer fact of a Scottish club yeah, to, to European no, and, and it was the great. I mean, I, I was I was at the. I think it was at both legs of the game against Liverpool. I was at the the Glasgow leg of the, the game against Boavista, um, and there was this great sense, and you don't get it very, you really don't get it very often in, in modern football, of a club with a huge support, <clears throat> exploring new territory. Uh, every yeah. every new level yeah. is massively exciting, mm-hmm. and there's a sense of almost disbelief that you're you're there or back there in Celtic's case. Um. And that's that's a really rich thing. It's a really good thing mm-hmm. to experience. And you one of the things I remember from the final was everybody I spoke to, uh, yeah, they were from all over the place. There were people from Canada, from South Africa, yeah, from yeah. It, it was just sort of. And I guess you know the nature of of history is that Celtic's diaspora is bigger than most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody suddenly focusing on <coughs> on this one city in southern Spain. Um, and it, yeah, it was a very sort of moving experience to be part of that. Yeah, and it, and, it, and that really made the final from my memory, because people were, t- were quite dismissive of the UEFA Cup. Obviously, it wouldn't last very long as the UEFA Cup; it would become the the Europa League. But people were, were beginning to be a bit dismissive. The Cup Winners' Cup has already. Yeah, gone. I, mean, I don't think they were as dismissive of it as they are of the Europa League now. I mean, quite possibly. But the, the, the slide the was happening. The final Dortmund final had been a great final. Yes. Um, you have a following year. You had the um, uh, Rafa's Valencia beating Marseille in Gothenburg, which is a great, also a great occasion. I, I mean, I actually really enjoyed covering the UEFA Cup, mm-hmm. uh, partly because you got these stories like Celtic of, of sort of this, this you know, a, a proper cup run in a way that is almost almost unimaginable these days. Yeah, but it was a great cup run, and 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 don't forget beating Blackburn Rovers. Would I be right in saying Graham Souness is Blackburn Rovers? Yes, that. which would have been a particularly <laughs> enjoyable one for some of those Celtic fans. Well, Graham Sinus is obviously uh, a very uh, respected figure amongst the uh, Celtic fan base, <laughs> isn't he? And mm-hmm. I remember the the first game was in, in Glasgow, and 
Blackburn were a very strong team at the time. You know, they'd um, you know Duff and Two Guy, um, York and Cole had gone there as well, and Blackburn were the better team on the night. But as so often on this run, Larson scores the mm. the winning goal towards the end of the game, and Sunas comes out afterwards and says it was men against boys, you know, and we'll we'll, we'll sort them out once we once we get down the road in a couple of weeks' time, and that sort of men against boys comment sort of stuck because it, obviously the the press made a, a big thing about it. Um, Larson even commented on it after the second leg, you know, that there was a lot of talking uh, from Sunnis after after the first leg when Celtic knew they hadn't been at their best, but had still managed to to get the result. And then going down to, to Blackburn and winning 2-0, and not just winning, I think the fact that because the performance hadn't been great in the first leg to actually go there and, and dominate, was a, a huge thing because I come back to this thing is of you know it was a huge thing for the Scottish game for a, mm. although it's Celtic against Blackburn so in terms of the size of the clubs there's a a big difference there um yeah just for just for a Scottish team to go down and, and beat a Premier League team um was a was a huge thing and then so, when, so when he said men against boys did he did he mean physically or I mean it seems like no, extraordinary just, just played them off the park okay. it was, yeah. was his interpretation right. it's more of a more of a, an expression I think north of the border that one is basically say we were much better than them right usually it's not usually to do with the physicality yeah because I, mean, I just sort of remember I you know I I really enjoyed not just this season but the, the couple of seasons after that when Celtic I remember the game when they beat Lyon two 0 was a yeah you know, I mean it was just, it was a I, yeah this is a, the, the selfish journalist point hmm. it was a great thing to cover. Because you could get to uh, get to the station and get the train, get the sleeper back to London afterwards. <laughs> so you, you know, weirdly, you got home earlier from doing a game in Glasgow than you did a game in, say, Manchester or Liverpool. <laughs> okay. And it, you know, just a, a nice thing. It was a bit always a bit of a rush to get on the sleeper. Once you're on the sleeper, couple of drinks, go to bed. You seven o'clock, you've woken up and you're at Euston. Brilliant. Jobs are good. But also just the you know, Celtic Park on those nights, the football that they played, the sort of the uh, the power and the dynamism of dynamism of it, the the three-five-two with Thompson and a gap, yeah, pinging cross after cross after cross for Sutton and Larson. Yeah, well, and and Hartson was uh, in the side as well, yeah, although was, he was didn't the, play in the final. Was it both legs against Barcelona as well? Was was that the following season? Yeah, yeah. And they were two extraordinary occasions. I mean, the game at Celtic Park, um, there'd been a some kind of mess up with my accreditation, so they they ended up just giving me a ticket in the stand behind the goal on my laptop. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that game. But uh, at half time, Rab Douglas and uh, Motta was sent off. Motta was sent off. Oh, and, yeah. and then just That's after the fighting, right. and there's only yeah. just after half time, Saviola got sent Saviola off. Saviola got sent off. So we, yeah, Saviola, there's been no announcement to say that there's been red cards at half time. And so, or if I had, like pe- me and people around no, no, there was, me, I, no I remember idea. just David Marshall coming out for the second half and people thinking, well, I was What's at the opposite on? end to that. So I didn't even realise that it was David Marshall. And, um, so when when Saviola sent off, I'm sort of yeah I've got I've got my my notepad out. How have they rearranged? It? I'm missing a player. Is he nine of them? What, what's going? <laughs> and I said to the bloke next to me, he's just like a fan. I say, is it just me? In Barcelona, you got nine players on the pitch. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I rang Kevin McCarra, uh, who was in the press box from the Guardian, and said, Kevin, what's going on? How come Barcelona you got nine on the pitch? And he went, oh yeah, the Douglas and uh, Motta were sent off at half time. <laughs> But like people around me, I mean, I was I, I was unable to tell people around me, yeah, this has happened at half time, mm-hmm. and then that away leg when yeah, Marshall was brilliant, Kennedy was brilliant that night. Obviously, before he got the horrific injury, injury. Yeah. 
the the thing with sort of roller coaster emotions of this season is that it actually starts with a massive disappointment because the reason Celtic are even in the UEFA Cup yeah. is because they lose to Basel in the the Champions League qualifiers, and it was a very so yeah we're back on two thousand two three now aren't we? Yeah, which yeah, is a good the, thing we, we yeah carry the, on <laughs> the, the strange thing about this this UEFA Cup run is the away performances are so strong when historically Celtic are always very good at home. Yeah but terrible away from home in, in Europe. And and that was certainly the case of a, a lot of O'Neill's time there and, and the, the managers who followed him and did well in Europe. Um, because this, the season before, they'd been in the Champions League and won all three home games against uh, Juve, Porto and, and Rosenberg, but lost all three. And that was that's why they didn't go through. So there, were, there was a bit of history there with Porto already um, from the two games in the Champions League the previous season. And Celtic, I was away at the, Celtic, the Porto away game the year before and Celtic got absolutely battered. I mean it was three 0 but it could have been it could have been many, many more. So that was the sort of uh, the as I say the, the the strange thing to to flick the switch of going from being a team that's always hard to beat at home and and then the seasons that followed, uh the Champions League form was always built on on Celtic Park being a, a fortress. But for this particular run, you know, they they go to Blackburn and win, they go to Liverpool and win. Although they end up losing in Stuttgart, they're two 0 up, so they're five one up on the tie and and kind of switch off a bit in the, in the second half and then go to Bovistan one as well. Yeah, and to, it, going back to that Liverpool time, you said going down to Blackburn was a big thing. Absolutely, it was. I get that. So Liverpool so, was a quarter final. Yeah, yeah. So to then go down to Liverpool, a lot of people, perhaps south of the border, would be thinking, oh yeah, they've had a good run, Celtic, but you know they probably come to the end now because they're playing one of the big boys, and of course they go and win. And and being at the first leg as well, Liverpool were marginally the better team, but you could see the the good players that they had. I mean, Gerrard was great that night. They had Owen and Heskey uh, up front. Risa was very important in the the goal they scored. So yeah, having come away again, having come away from Celtic Park uh, with a one one, they were the favourites going into that that second leg. And the weekend before, I mentioned that Celtic lost the the League Cup final to to Rangers. Um, that was the weekend before the Anfield game, so they were also going into that game in a, in a bit of a low. So to come away with with that performance and that result, and yeah, it goes back. Yes, it was it was Blackburn, but more in terms of a Scottish club going down to not just a Premier League club, but one of the big Premier League clubs and, and laying down a bit of a marker. Yeah, they did what Hearts couldn't do, of course, and, which was win at Anfield, <laughs> but they were mightily close. All right, after the break, we'll talk about the game itself. See you in a moment. Indeed, Larson scoring to tie the match at two. Celtic back on level terms. And again, a quick reply after the Porto goal. Larson with a strong header. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. The second yellow gives him red. That was trouble for Celtic. They were down to 10 men as Derlay fouled, goes for the flight, and Balde, he would head for the showers. Welcome back to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. Right, gentlemen. So, yes, yeah, Celtic are in, in the final. Porto, uh, of course, beat Lazio in the semis, which would have surprised perhaps a few people. Not Mr Mourinho, who was in charge. Uh, and when we come to Seville, Porto were favourites, understandably. And f- for my money, and I'm sure for a few other people's, this is probably the first time we saw Mourinho, really. I know he'd been making waves around yeah, Portugal. Yeah, and I think that semi-final was a pretty early indication of, mm. of a man he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Port were four one up in the first leg. Yeah. When Lucas Castroman, the Argentinian midfielder from Lazio, goes to take a throw in, which might initiate a break. Mm. And Mourinho leaps from a bench <laughs> and knocks the ball from his hands. Uh and this is Bond villain yeah, Mourinho, isn't it? It's... For which he is um banned from the touchline for the second leg. Uh-huh. So he sits in the stand at the Olympico. Text uh, away. Talking to well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't do any texting himself. Oh, he gets okay. AVB to do his texting. Oh, okay, right, right. AVB yeah, yeah. being another assistant. Yeah, AVB was very thankful when Siri came along. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, texting the the bench. Now, what's extraordinary is there's a biography of Mourinho by um, uh, Luis Lorenzo, mm-hmm. uh, which I think it certainly came out in English in 2000. It must it must come out in Portuguese in 2004 as well. It certainly came out in English in 2004, and it just lists all the texts. Yeah. No he's, sh- he's not happy with Deco's performance, if yes. I remember correctly. So it, it, it's on the one hand, it's extraordinary because you see the the sort of the detail, yeah, and uh, uh, you know, how, um, uh, you know, how, how sort of meticulous, exactly, that's the word, mm-hmm. uh, his his thinking is. But at the same time, I mean, this biography is obviously written with Mourinho's help. You know, there's a lot of inside stuff there. There's no shame about no. blatantly cheating, <laughs> as we then saw in the game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's one of them. I mean, watching it back, yeah, you know, when you when you actually at a game, you, I, I'm always slightly uneasy about the sense of, I mean, yeah, while not a Celtic fan in any way, uh, I did clearly want Celtic to win that game. I, yeah. I, I'd sort of been caught up by that sort of 
the mood of of, of of that run. Even I had as well. And, e- even and, you. And, and but I think I think yeah. most people, unless you were a Porto fan, the way the game panned out, the way the fat the Celtic fans yeah, were, so, and all so, that, so, all that. But, but that's the, my point. I kind of I was I was there, you know because of that. You then so I then sort of think: Am I overreacting to the to the play acting to the oh, the shit injury, the yeah. shit housery? <laughs> no, I wasn't. No. Watching it back, it is one of you know, the greatest shows of shit you've ever seen. The, the Vito yeah. Baya sort of four minutes down injured towards the end of extra <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> well, I yes, mean, just unapologetic, extraordinary. So, I mean, Porto that season they they won the league in in Portugal and they won their Tassa de Portugal. So it was a, it was a sort of hat trick of sorts uh, that they they completed. So it was an impressive season. Uh, so the, oh, uh, look, they were a really good time. That's, the, that's well, not... this is the thing. That's why it's a shame that we've we've had to say that but you have to say that because it was so blatant but they were an excellent side as they would prove the following season of course but Mourinho's got them well drilled as you say they've got some excellent players in there I mean it's, it's lovely to go and watch Deco play again you know what yeah. a player he was and his little ball for the first oh. goal is well, and the second goal actually as well yeah. even watching it back just there's a the first half is there's not a lot of chances in it I think the conditions played a part of it in terms of the, the pitch isn't great mm. the heat that you mentioned well the heat I mean actually that was really dangerous you know there's an, an open stadium mm. the sun is baking down these are Glaswegians these are not people <laughs> but, used to but the sun but these are Glaswegians but the, <laughs> when you look at it on TV as well when you talk about how, how um, prized tickets were and it looks like there's empty spaces just because at the front of the stand Oh, it, the empty, it, empty seats. People but, in the shade. But people were just moving back because, yeah, yeah they were just baking. So And they ran out of water in the stadiums so two or three hours before kickoff. Well, I, and, you know, I, I think it wasn't start, prepared. Seville situ- wasn't prepared. But also in a situation like that, you shouldn't be charging people for water. No. Like, it, it's dangerous. But I think, I think at the time, I mean, Seville is a... Uh, you know, it's a magnificent city for anybody to to go to as a tourist. But actually, it's not actually been that long since you, your more flight routes have opened up to it. So back in those days, actually, it was not really that firmly on the tourist map. So I don't think. Yeah, that I mean, were prepared. I think it's sort of that's the, a wider point. It got the boom with the expo in ninety ninety two, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. But also, I just think the the number of people. It's well, a bit like yeah. Istanbul in 2005, yeah. which is one of the things you're right. You're right. It's the, the sort of romance of Europe that we we hear about of. I mean, obviously, I was about to say, I hear, we hear about from our fathers. My dad never saw something in Europe. <laughs> uh, well, he did in 73 4, but yeah. two games anyway. Um, <laughs> but, you know, those, those stories of the 60s of, of Celtic fans and United fans yeah. making these long slogs across Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Liverpool fans in the 70s, even. Mm-hmm. You know, it, th- that, that is not a thing our generation has ever had to deal with. But Seville and Istanbul, you kind of got a sense of what it must have been like. People kind of taking yeah. extraordinary routes, you know. But two cities like that as well. That again, flying to Barcelona and driving to Seville, yeah. and hiring a car and driving down, or, or taking trains across. Uh-huh. You know, but it's and but it's that. It's I mean, Seville's far enough away for it to be quite exotic. And of course, the it's, well, it's an exotic. Yeah. City. It's a very unusual, different. City. It is. It's, it's, it's a it's, phenomenal city. One of the sort of funny stories of so when the when Celtic win the the game against Wolvista, they come back and they play Rangers away in it's a big game in the league, and. Celtic fans all turn up with like lilos and beach balls and stuff like, <laughs> throwing beach balls on, onto the pitch. You know, unaware that there is no beach in Seville. I was about to say it's not on the coast, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but but the but the point stands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Point it, was, it was Spain, so yeah, <laughs> yeah there was t- going to be a beach. Totally, yeah. Um, so the, the, the game gets underway, and uh, in those conditions, you know, John Hartson's not playing because he's injured. So you've got Larson and Sutton up front, and Larson, I mean, what scored forty-four goals in all competitions that season. He was on one hundred and ninety-nine Celtic goals, I believe, going into that game. Um, 
and and you know, we talked about the Porto lineup, and and they had a little lad up front called Derlei who would feature quite heavily for good and bad reasons throughout the game. And um, but you're right, I don't remember too many chances, or there weren't too many chances in the first half. But would you? What was what was the what was the what was the feeling among the Celtic fans as, it, as or, or, or you at home watching or, or or where you were sitting, Jonathan, as the game starts unfolding? The Celtic thinking, hang on, we're holding our own here, or is there? Yeah, I think it was the nerves of watching it back now. I think Celtic were actually in the game much more than I had thought of of the night because I think you've just got that those nerves of thinking, mm. oh God, what's going to happen? And, and Porto did have a lot more of the ball. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really until when you mentioned Deco earlier on that, yes, the pass of the first goal is very good, but there's a moment just a few minutes before where he sort of flicks the ball oh, he it. up over Valharan, I think it is, and then sort of speeds past uh, Baldi and goes through and goal and Douglas makes a save but that's almost the sort of moment the, mm. the game sort of clicks into life yeah. and he really starts to take control I have to say uh, within about 20 minutes I would happily have put my house on Balde getting sent off at some point oh yeah <laughs> I mean, it's, it's by, by my Balde for you know yeah. and it's just yeah. <laughs> yeah when you see some of the sort of the pace and the agility of the Porter players so the first goal comes along um, just before half time and it was it was that man Derlai who, who got on the end of it and it's always a crushing blow to, to lose a goal just before half time, especially when you're the weaker side. Yes, I mean it's a deco chip over the top. Elenichev has sort of managed to, to sort of. I mean, Lenichev's, I think, an interesting player. In that yeah. he, he sort of was a winger, and then he, he ends up playing sort of on the left of a diamond. The uh, Mourinho's Porto would play a four-three-three in the league, but they play a diamond in in Europe. Why do you think he did that? I think just to get an extra midfielder in there. I think uh-huh. you know the, the nature of the opposition Porto faced would be that they in 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 Portugal they, they play teams who sat deep, so you. Yeah, just get get wit. Sure. Uh, whereas this allowed them to control midfield a bit more. Mm. So yeah, Deco's chip over the top. Elenachev with a volley. Douglas makes the save, but can't sort of push out of the danger area. And Derley coming in or Derley. Derley uh, would it be? I don't know. Okay. The, the interesting thing about Derley is because he, he also has a, a pretty prominent role in the next season when they they win the Champions League. But when you look at that Porto team and what they went on to do, like players like Deco and and Paulo Ferreira and even like Manish getting big moves. Derlai never really goes anywhere from that Porto team. He doesn't go on to yeah. to bigger things. And he actually ends up, I mean, for all Larson's heroics, he ends up as the top scorer in this competition because he scores the, the two goals to sort of March Larson's time. Yeah. And how, how are you pronouncing his name, Keith? I'm going Derlai. All right. Well, let's see with Derlai. I, w- I wouldn't say how, what he was being... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> the pub I was watching the game. We may well come on to that. So, yeah, 1-0 at half time, but uh, Celtics fans still in good voice. Um, but they get a goal two minutes after the the restart, of course, and a fantastic header from this Larson. Is one of the greatest headers I think I've ever seen. <laughs> a great cross as well, but yeah, a combination of the, the occasion. Obviously, Larson was always one of these guys. He was an incredible header of the mm. ball for his heights. You know, the, the, the spring that he he got. Mm. Um, but in this one, to it's an almost impossible angle. The way he gets above the marker and sort of like hangs in the air, mm. and then finds yeah, just the, the the perfect sort of balance of the the cushion on the header with the right accuracy to take it across uh, Vitor Baia, you know, kisses the inside of the post and goes in, and it's one of they scores two goals and two incredible headers, but that one in particular, and watching it back, all his sort of link up play, he's not been given a great amount of service. It's one of the the best performances of of a, someone in a losing European final I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and it yeah, was absolutely, it yeah. was great for him to to score those two headers because when I think of Larson and perhaps when others do as well, I don't think of him as heading the ball. I think of him doing a lot more. But of course, in that game, which is where 
perhaps a wider audience would have seen him. But he had everything, didn't he? Oh, he did. That's the thing about him that, you know, he was one of those complete forwards who, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay, if he'd had two or three inches more in height, then then maybe he would have been more of a a sort Mm. of target man type player. But yeah, he, he... he could score any type of goal. Yeah, so I'd imagine it was pandemonium in the Celtic end. You know when that. Yeah, I mean I, I, for, for press box because I mean clearly a lot of people got in without tickets as well. So I remember I was sat next to Paddy Barkley, mm-hmm. and I was sat next to I think Dennis Campbell from the Guardian, who was very obviously a Celtic fan. Yes. who was in agonies, <laughs> uh, but he was their sports news guy. So he wasn't writing live on the game. He was there for the sort of the occasion. But there was also before kickoff, I remember a. a, a a father and his kid who's, I don't know, like 11 or 12, sort of, you know, sort of edge into the press box. And sort of Paddy is very kind of, have you got accreditation? Who do you think you are? We've got to work in here. <laughs> and his dad's like, no, it's just it's just too busy over there. I kind of, he's, 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 he's scared. Mm. So Paddy's like, okay, stay here, shut up. First pick up with you, I'm getting a steward. And it, so I remember them being sort of being next to Paddy and they're sort of restrained excitement because they were terrified of yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was pan. I mean, it, I mean, the stadium was four to one, five to one. Yeah, Celtic. Well, the 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 um, capacity is what fifty two thousand, I think. Right. And they reckon that Celtic had thirty five thousand of the tickets, which is quite odd because normally about fifty two thousand Celtic would probably get about eighteen, nineteen thousand of that, something like that, with the, with the usual what, split. What's even changed in the sort of seventeen year since is it when we go to European finals now that the shame of it is how few. Like even when you take into the account of the size of the stadium, so many tickets are reserved for dignitaries and sponsors. Well, that's what I mean. Whereas there wasn't quite that same level of. I oh, was it not that of tickets reserved for that type of thing oh, back okay. then. There still was a bit, um, but it was more the fact that they. That the, that I don't, I'm not even sure if Porto took up their full allocation, which yeah, is okay. why Celtic got such a, a large proportion of the tickets. Yeah, but they were they were yeah, as you say, clearly outnumbered the. The Porto uh, fans. Um, anyway, so it's one all, and then uh, on fifty-four minutes, Porto take the lead, and the pass from Deco so waste, well wasted, so nonchalant, isn't it? Yeah, it is absolutely glorious. Yeah, I mean, from a Celtic point of view, you'd say that both the first two Porto goals came from that space, just sort of mm-hmm. be- between Valhavan and uh, and Didier Gat. So that was. I don't know if that was something to do with the way Lenchev was moving or whether that mm. was a perennial weakness, but yeah, that, that that's the route that both goals come from. But it's yeah, it's just the thing for Celtic though is they're not often coming up against a player like Deco. No, of course not. But. And so it's very difficult, especially in that heat when you're running around and, and so on and so forth. But, but yeah, perfectly weighted pass. Yeah. Lenachev runs on and smacks it past Douglas. Nice finish, yeah. Um, but then three three minutes later, it's 2-2. Uh, Larson uh, scoring another header, Kieran. And this was a hallmark of those O'Neill teams because he liked to build sort of big physical teams. We talked about the, the centre-backs there. I mean, the thing that they lacked was pace because they were all giants. You know, Mialbi, uh, Baldi, Valhara, and you had heart, normally you'd have Hearts and Sutton. This this occasion it was just Sutton, and then Larson, who wasn't the tallest, but this is an incredible spring that mm. he shows again for the second goal. And Alan Thompson or Petrov, depending on which side it was on, uh, with the delivery. So at this point, I think once it goes to two two, there's a ten fifteen minute spell, which is the, the, the most confident I can remember being. You can hear in the, the Celtic fans in the stadium as well that. We're thinking right, come back into this game twice now. Now it's now ours to sort of go on and, mm. and take on. And in retrospect, when you look back, at, we've talked about Mourinho for a Mourinho side and a European a European final 
to take the lead twice and be hauled back yeah. again. And so quickly as well. Yeah, that, that you know, mentally, that was such a, a big boost to go, to, you know, for the, the way the game went to go be level, have the blow of going back down again and then come back again. Um, and then from, from this point on, after that sort of flurry of goals until the end of the 90 minutes, Seesaws back and forward and again there's not a huge number of clear cut chances but the sort of momentum of the game is going with Celtic and I think towards the last maybe 15 minutes they tire, tire a little bit and then Porto start to, to come back on top again yeah yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think that's that, you know, the issue of tiring I think is part of it I think there's also Celtic were clearly uh, a, a, a bigger team than Porto and the fact that both goals come from headers okay they're, they're last in headers and, and first the second one yeah sorry the first one particularly is a very sort of skillful header um but it's almost as if that's what triggers Porto's play acting. Uh, and you know, Mourinho has this idea that his job as a coach is to condition his players to make the right decisions in the right circumstances. So I don't know if he gave an order whether they sort of automatically began to do that because of that sort of you know the sort of brainwashing that that he 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 instills that that they sort of knew that okay we can't fight them so we've got to start making sure we get free kicks for this. The thing, looking through the stats as well, there was 57 fouls in the game, which, I mean, I know it was 120 minutes, not not 90, but it, it was also at that time in, in European football where referees were blowing up for, mm. for almost everything. That was the sort of, the diktat was going much more towards the way the Spanish or the Portuguese game is, is normally refereed and then it kind of swung back a bit. Yeah, I mean, this is Lubas Mikel, the, the Slovakian, but yeah. I mean, yeah. he was—he completely lost control by the end. Nico. I mean, might I read out um, a little uh, section from the the minute by minute, which Barry Glendening was on in the Guardian? Derla uh, uh, goes down under a challenge from Mialbi. He clutches his ankle and starts rolling around like a pig in muck. Get up, you girly ponce! <laughs> now, maybe that type of language was, you know, should have been <laughs> different age. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> a, a different man. Um, but <laughs> I'm only joking, Barry. But you know, it, it, it shows you that people were getting so fed up. Certainly, yeah. the neutral, which is why I think if people hadn't already got on board with supporting Celtic for the fans for the for the run. They would have been because it, it. I just remember watching that game and go for crying out loud. It stop starts. It was interrupting what was a good game of football. But I also think, look at watching it back, that could have backfired on them. Not not just because the game becomes stop start and we talk about Celtic tiring in that heat. That actually quite often gives Celtic a bit of a break to you know get, well, get a breather. <laughs> yeah. But also, Larson was such an intelligent footballer. But he's kind of cottoned onto this and he's buying fouls himself at the mm. other end. And Celtic were such a threat from from set pieces yeah. that that was always going to be one of the more likely ways that they could win the game. Mm. And I can remember once the game goes into extra time and then uh, Jonathan's uh, bet comes up and when <laughs> Bobo gets his, I mean, his it second, is a very card. obvious second yellow. It is, yeah. I can't. It's for, cause he, he didn't get booked till the 80th minute, which seems to me remarkable. Right? I don't know what that was for, but mm. then the second one is a is a bookable offence on on Derly, who makes Derly, sorry, That's right. who, who makes sure that uh, Lewis Mikel notices it, should we say? Yes. But this was also a game with silver goal, so yeah. if a goal had been scored in the, the first half of extra time, it would have ended at the first half of extra time. And so they get a free kick uh, in stoppage time in the, the first half of extra time. And I remember thinking, for, I think for the first time in the game, I was like, this is it. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah we've got, we always score from, uh, <laughs> from corners and free kicks. You know, we're playing against a team of midgets, you know. <laughs> 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 we've, still, we've still got two of our big three uh, centre backs go, and the ball comes in from Thompson Vitor Bayer comes out clutches it and actually stays on his feet for for once and, oh, uh, okay. but that was that and yeah once it goes into the, the again 
watching it back, there's there's not a, a host of chances either way. But the one thing that that held this the Celtic team back quite often um, was not having a, a great goalkeeper. And we spoke about with the the first goal where Douglas makes the save, but he doesn't really get enough on it, and it's, it's still in a danger area for Derlei. Yeah, then, it's one of those where it's not a blatant mistake, but you do wonder mm, whether a better keeper might have been able to push it more out yeah. to the side. And, and similarly with the the winning goal, the, the third portal goal, ball gets played through, I think, by Manish, and he comes off his line. And it's one of those you see, you know, 90 times out of 100 where the, the keeper just comes, clutches it, the, mm-hmm. the attacker jumps over him. But he kind of spills it back into the, the danger area. Derlei gets it. And then almost by trying to recover the situation he makes he makes it worse Douglas because Derley has the shot he kind of half gets a half gets a save on it but it actually just pushes the ball into the ground and back up it makes it more awkward for and then Mill be on the line kind La- of... I think it was Larson because it because because okay, um, uh, Valharn had gone off by this point which I get and I, get, I can't remember in the game but I think it was reading the reports it was because they, they feared that he was going to get sent <laughs> um, but it was such yeah. an unfortunate one to, to concede and even when Derlai hits the shot, like it could, as you say, bounces around. It's one of those agonising ones. Five minutes from the end. I mean, it is. Uh, yeah, for all that, yeah, we're talking about this from a very Celtic perspective sure. for for good reasons, I think. Uh-huh. But as a goal to an European final it is a classic goal in that it takes sort of two hits off off defensive players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It ends up somehow in the roof of the net. It's those beautiful black nets they used for a while, which yeah. sort of give it sort of this air of exoticism. Mm-hmm. The sort of Celtic players sort of strewn about the box. Yeah. It, yeah, the aesthetic of it is magnificent. And and, and that was the game over, really. Oh, completely. I yeah. mean, they, they yeah, were yeah. exhausted. Um, they're down to 10 men. Uh, to be honest with you, they would have taken penalties, I think, especially when they went down to 10 men. And no penalties, you know, who, who would have known? I mean, you, you probably have still fancied Porter for that, but it's a question, you know, we'll never know that one. But they would have certainly uh, wanted their chances. And uh, and the game finishes and you know, Porto celebrate and, and so on and so forth. And Derlai was given man of the match, Um and Barry Glendenning on the minute by minute had this to say um, about that. He said, Derlei takes them out of the match gong. And I want to say this because this this is the feeling. You know, this is a national newspaper um, from a national treasure uh, in Ireland, I assume. Uh, Derlei takes the silver man, uh, sorry, t- Derlei silver takes the man of the match gong, which is a shame because despite his undeniable skill in front of goal, he's a horrible little play acting tramp. Um, awarding him the man of the match trophy will only encourage him. <laughs> well, and <laughs> the worst bit of play acting is, as you alluded to before, is, is Vita Bayer, who comes out and claims the ball and yeah. then goes down and rolls about for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Lewis Mikkel added four minutes, four minutes of, of injury time mm-hmm. in a 15 minute half. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's nearly yeah. a quarter. It's mental. <laughs> and even that felt like it wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! But Porto won the game, and uh, but but as as Porto were favourites, and and Celtic hadn't been in a European final for so many years, and it was such a great surprise that Celtic went all the way. Obviously, it wasn't a victory, but they had given such a good account of themselves, and because of the shithousery from Porto, there was a great sense of pride among the Celtic fans. Yeah, definitely. Again, watching it back, I remember this at the time. The first thing you hear when the, the final whistle is blown is the Celtic fans singing over the top of you know, mm. Porto fans celebrating. There was a huge sense of pride. Um, I mean, even as I said at the start of the pod, the fact that this is you know what one of Celtic's 
best ever seasons in a season where they don't win anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the only the only sort of um, caveat to that, I think, is that there was also a, a great expectation that this was going to be the launching pad for something better. You know, they were going to go back into the Champions League and hopefully not win it like Porto ended up doing. But when you see that that Porto side go on to win the Champions League, there was a, there was a genuine belief that Celtic can go now to last sixteen quarterfinals for a couple of seasons, and that didn't really happened and that was the the great sort of disappointment you still had of the, I mean yeah okay but you still had the next season that the, the draw against Barcelona in in the Camp Nou well, that's was, that, yeah back into the UEFA Cup because the 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 Champions League um they go out in the the group stages to to Bayern and Leon and I, but again looking back on it now when that draw came out it was like oh it's tough but you know doable because it was Bayern Leon and uh Anderlecht. But then that Leon team went on to, yeah. went on to be much, the, much stronger than people thought. The 2-0 win at Celtic Park was, I mean, one of the best games I've ever been at. Aidan McGeady announced <laughs> himself to the world. Uh, but I mean, I remember the, the night the, you know, the night of this final. Uh, it was an incredible night in Seville. I mean, getting back into town. <laughs> you know, I mean, again, I remember sitting with Paddy Barkley and there was a, I can't remember if it was Heineken or Carlsberg were the sponsors, but there was a, basically a, a fridge full of beer and we we're like there's just no point leaving here for a good two or three hours because it's going to be carnage yeah, outside yeah, yeah. so we're sitting there necking back the free booze and then we go outside actually with your predecessor one of your predecessors angus mckinnon oh, yes and we we sort of just nick a taxi so claim we've ordered it and because you know it's just what else are we going to do what nine miles well you've learned town? from the best billy mcneil yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and we get back in the town and and i end up out with angus i didn't get back in till i don't know seven or eight the next morning and I, I remember sort of that night as I, as I was walking back to the hotel so yeah three or four hours after dawn picking my way across that square outside the Alhambra and just Celtic fans everywhere this carpet of green and white of Celtic fans who didn't have hotels were just asleep in the square <laughs> and I remember getting back to the hotel and it was so hot that I because uh, I, I, I was quite drunk I, I couldn't remember what room number I was in and I'd swear, because it was so hot, I'd sweated off the room number from the key. <laughs> so, so I remember going to the reception and saying, oh, I'm really sorry, I can't remember what room number in. I've, I've sweated it off. And she went, and she, she'd obviously had a nightmarish night of pissed up Aswegians <laughs> turning up. So I, I see, saying, Can you remember your name? Yeah, I can remember that one. <laughs> well, there we are. Uh, Kieran, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, going back over that game with you. Um, uh, thank you very much, obviously, Jonathan. It's uh, It's been a pleasure talking about um, Celtic 2, Porto 3 on Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with The Blizzard. For more stories like that, go to theblizzard.co.uk. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Was a Stakhanov production.